0: This program is supported by Altus Learn. Did you know that 89% of employees say, if my employer invested in my training, I'm more likely to stay with the organization long-term? An Altus Learn imaging campus has the required education for imaging centers to meet annual ACR, IAC, and joint commission requirements for radiation and MRI safety and CT dose reduction. An imaging campus not only provides the annual required education, but also provides the imaging center techs with access to over 200 CEs, which are accepted by the ARRT. Including CEs published on the RADCAST podcast, imaging technologists can track all of their CEs through the CE wallet and imaging center leaders can check the compliance status of each of its team members. Learn more at the bottom of regcast.com and click on get a campus. So on this episode of Turner Talks this afternoon, we've got Dr. Mary Cowan, who's been on the show quite a bit. Um, she's an educator and a leader in the field um, in, in radio on the radiography side. And then we have Anthony Mungo from all the way from New York City. So Anthony and I have worked on several projects together. Anthony's actually administrator of a large department, and he owns his own side um, business called Advanced Imaging Review that offers that structured education. I'm gonna let Anthony explain it to you but it offers structured education and continuing education credits like I said we've worked on some stuff in the past and um, so I'm happy to have him on the show today so Anthony if you'll just give us a quick bio and tell us what you're up to and and what you're what you're doing now in New York City
1: sure Uh, good afternoon and uh, thank you Cheryl and and Mary for having me on Um, so it's uh, it's been pretty surreal out here in New York You know, as you mentioned, I'm the director of radiology for a very large academic institution based uh, in the heart of New York. Uh, I'm actually in in the Brooklyn Brooklyn campus, but uh, the large academic institution, it's a a very big system that consists of of 10 to 11 uh, sister hospitals um, that all report up to the enterprise. Um, I've been with the institution for 15 years. I've been very blessed and fortunate to have an amazing team of technologists um, and, and senior leadership that, that has really allowed me to take my ideas and run with them. You know, there was there was really no micromanaging. Um, when we've come up with a, a great concept, uh, they've allowed me to kind of uh, operate independently uh, of, of the institution, which is really, really nice. Um, directly reporting up to me for the hospital, I've got 160 employees. um that all that that consists of all disciplines so we've got you know x-ray ct mr nukes uh uh, ultrasound mammography interventional radiology uh they all report report up to me um and i've got you know a a great team of managers that uh handle the day-to-day and then when when times are tough or they really need to to seek advice that's when they come up to me and we, we we kind of uh provide as much guidance as possible um on the uh, on the business side, I've owned uh, Advanced Imaging Review since uh, 2007, and that organization uh, is really established to help individuals, technologists that are, are really looking to advance their careers, you know, in CT, MR, mammography, IR, um, and just taking them to the next level. We we historically offered uh, on-site and online classes uh since the, the the pandemic uh we've only been uh operating online which seems to be working out really really well um because uh it gives them the best of both worlds our business model was never to just record classes and put it out there because um, then it's essentially just picking up a book and, and doing a self-study and teaching yourself um so we all of our classes are live they've got instructors uh they're all uh everyone who teaches in the program is either uh, a director or an assistant director in a hospital or a lead technologist or a professor in the university that's teaching uh their specialty and they're all registered in the modality that they teach so it's a, it's a nice approach there're small class sizes um, and we've had really great success um, because I believe of the approach that we've taken small classes it's almost like a private tutoring session when you're you've got a nice small group of of students that are just geared towards the, the same end goal which is that that advanced degree which is which is really nice well
0: thanks a bunch and you know we're kind of fond of that um online live different um different way of approaching things so that's kind of how we got here and so i'm glad i'm glad that we get to pull all these minds together that you know kind of think outside the box a little bit mary just for folks that may not have um, tuned into one of our other shows which you should mary is a Huge component of our leadership series, and she's done some really good um, different work with that. So, Mary, if you just want to do a real quick intro um, about who you are
2: and where you are. Sure. I'm Dr. Mary Cowan. Um, my primary side is educational administration and leadership, is my kind of my niche. Um, so, currently, I'm a program director for a radiology program at a community college. Um, I did not have a cool accent. I apologize. I got accused the other day when I <laughs> I went, to get a, I went to get a pop and um, I, and I was, I'm like, are you gonna go to the boat next? <laughs> um, so I'm from Iowa, um born and raised here and I'm looking forward to contributing where I can today.
0: Well, I will say we've got a, a diverse um, accent group as I'm sure I'll throw in some y'alls. I'm sure we'll get a y'all in here before we finish up. So <laughs> I'm glad that um, we're all together and we're gonna talk about something that was very important pre-crisis and now maybe even more important post-crisis so we're going to kind of divide this into two different parts that kind of pre-COVID part and the post-COVID part Um, and what we want to talk about today is what makes for a great employee so kind of what is it a cross-training aspect is it somebody who wants to learn more what are facilities doing to help not only facilitate this learning and this retention and this growth of their own staff but how do they encourage that and how are they managing that so we really want to talk about this whole cross-training this advanced education how facilities are working with technologists and therapists even and then what can you as an employee do for yourself? How do you help yourself in these situations? So starting out on like the pre-COVID, so if we go back to, if we even just think back a couple of months, cause it seems like, even though it seems like this has been going on forever, it hasn't been going on forever. So if we think back even a few months, how about, um, Anthony, we'll start with you, and then we'll switch to Mary since she has students entering the job market. What did the job market look like? or radiographers for those stu- for those people that may only had a, a primary certification. And then how did that job market change if they picked up that post-certification?
1: Sure, so the, the job market in, and I can, I can really only speak for, for the area that I live in, which is New York and New Jersey and Connecticut. Um, and it's very good, it's, it's a strong market. Um, it, it's a healthy market. There are a lot of technologists that are, are getting put through the programs. Um, some are better than others, just like any other program. Uh, it's it's what the the student puts in is what they're going to get out. Um, I tell all the students that come on site, you know, treat it like it's a two year job interview. Um, you know, the, what you put in is will be noticed, and we, we hire up to about three or four students a year um, through my through the organization in our department. Uh, and then what we've started doing is um, as part of our development and retention program is as the student gets onboarded or the new candidate gets onboarded um after their probation period is over when they do their probation evaluation they'll be asked uh you know if you had the opportunity to go into another modality what would most interest you um and then from that step is when we we then uh onboard the technologist into one of the programs uh, and create our own internal pool of dedicated technologists and resources so we don't have to go to the outside. Um, so pre-COVID, it's worked out great. Um, uh, while we're going on, and and, and hopefully after COVID, uh, we can pick it back up, but I, I think I speak for for everyone. We have stopped all of clinical rotations in the hospital during this crisis, right? So it makes it very difficult for, for anyone to come on site and get that hands-on cross-training which is nice is that we can still go online and the students can still get that didactic training uh, from one of the instructors. Um, My concern uh, going into it is, will there be too much of a time lapse from what they've learned in class to what they see in the practical? Uh, And that always concerns me. Uh, And I always tell my students, I don't want you to start clinic day one, but I want you to maybe start you know week five or six into a program so you have some theory behind what you're seeing and why you're seeing it. Okay. um but the the market is good um pre end post or during covid um you know especially for you know we we've seen a lot of technologists that maybe work for imaging centers uh pre covid and had great secure jobs um but during the crisis uh they were all furloughed uh and i i i've onboarded probably about 10 technologists maybe six from texas um that have been working with us uh doing the overnight ct or just all hands on deck approach uh it, it's been really really good so the technologists who were you know kind of given lemons they, they did something really good with it and they've uh approached agencies and they've gotten you know they've retained employment elsewhere in, in so new york and all the areas that they're in need
0: did you say you were uh, back to you real quick anthony did you say that you were onboarding people from texas
1: we were Oh we wow! Were. Okay,
0: so people really were traveling, and um, oh my yeah. daughter, my daughter's a nurse practitioner, and I know there was an all you know, there was an offer for nurse practitioners. She's in Alabama, actually, an offer for nurse practitioners to go. Now, her employer would not, did not encourage that one. They needed the help. They needed the nurse practitioners, and. They wanted them to be able to work when they came back. They didn't want a quarantine issue or something like that. So it's interesting that people traveled the way they did. Mary, I was going to ask you real quick, since you've got students that are graduating. And I know graduation right now is just a, it's just a mess. But prior to all of this, what did the job market look like maybe in your area? Or did you find that students were having to relocate and kind of do some things that, you know, not stay at home or, or do something else to, in that job market?
2: Our market would be similar. Our market is still strong, even um, prior to this, even first of the year, um, we saw a lot more full-time openings. Probably in the last 18 months, there was um, a lot of PRN stuff floating around. Right. You know, my students could get a job here, a job here, they could kind of piece some stuff together, and it would make a full-time job. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'd say the first of the year that opened up, and our market is also strong. Um, my students are still applying for full-time jobs. Um, again, I can only speak to um, you know my. Geography or geographic location, um, some of our, our technologists are being furloughed. They are decreasing their hours just because we are fortunate enough that we don't have an influx of cases right now of COVID. So, um, but then that creates that really odd dynamic of you shut a hospital down, you see emergency patients only, you're not seeing clinic, you're not seeing ortho. Um, so then all of a sudden you have a staff of eight or 10 technologists and they're only doing ER. So, um, even though I think they've done a a good job of like forecasting and, and foreseeing the fact that this is going to pick back up one day and we still need our staffing. So um, I have one question for Anthony. Um, you talked about a probation period. How long is your probation period? And then does that factor affect if you move them into cross-training? Like if, if during that probation period, they don't have the motivation and you don't feel like the sustainability is there, does that affect your decision to move them into cross-training?
1: It will ultimately 100% affect the, the decision. Um, so it, not everyone gets accepted into the program, right? Okay. So if you are a, you could be a good employee, but not be ambitious to learn a new modality, right? Mm-hmm. X-ray may be your thing, and that may be your thing for the next 30 years, right? Um, so those employees have the option to opt out if they would like to. Um, and if we know, like we said earlier, if they're, they're not ambitious enough, or we don't feel that they're well-suited to sit behind a scanner, um, okay. we, would, we wouldn't put them in that, that situation.
2: How long is your probation period?
1: It's three months.
2: Okay. All right. I like that you go and ask them. You know, like I always ask, you know, my students. I'm like, what do you want to do? I figure by now you get a little experience. If you sit someone down and you're like, what do you want to do with yourself? You know, usually you get a pretty straightforward answer. But I like your your um, probation period and then using that to kind of pick and choose. You can see, you know, in that time frame, you know. What would be who would be a good fit and who wouldn't so i like that
1: absolutely yeah. you know and it's funny because we we tell everyone the same thing you know or at least i do don't go into an advanced modality just before it makes because it makes more money right um you know mr may not be the thing for you you know sitting behind a scanner for you know increments of 30 to 45 minutes it's certainly not for me um but i wouldn't you know tell someone it's not for them um it because it makes money it doesn't make it makes dollars doesn't make sense that's the, the you know it's it's true um and it it's not a one size fits all type of uh approach and because it it looks good um some not everyone likes it you know it, it you have to really have a passion for what you're going into and if we don't see that during that uh that probation or evaluation period uh we certainly don't allow everyone into the program yeah
0: so Anthony, you mentioned a, a long list of you know post primaries or these extra certifications that that these different paths that people can take. I was I spoke at the AHRA meeting last summer, um, and there were so many people that came up to me and said they can't find enough CT techs. And so this was nationwide that CT seemed to be the big shortage. What do you think as far when people are looking at these post primaries? Maybe a what's the most popular? What does everybody think they want to do? And then maybe what is the most I don't want to say effective. What's the one that maybe somebody may not think that they want to do, but then after they get in there, it's really you know it's really cool, and it turns out to be a great spot for them.
1: Well, I I think when it comes to the education component, uh, we have a lot of students. Like a, 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 the perfect example is always MRI for me, because everyone wants to do it until they get into it and they don't realize how hard it is to learn the physics of MR. Um, mm-hmm. So my approach is everyone you know if there was a an x-ray tech coming out of school i try to lean them towards ct if they want to learn a second uh get a obtain a second registry because the physics are very similar um from C, from x-ray you know and, and ct when it comes to to mr it's, it's apples and oranges cheryl there, there's really no similarities with the exception of maybe the cross-sectional anatomy that has any type of resemblance um to one another that, that can really cross over um but I, I've seen a lot of that. I've seen people go into MR, take the program, um, and never take the registry, um, because they may oh, feel wow. it's, it's too difficult for them uh, and they're never going to pass it. Um, yeah, but you, you can't tell someone it's not for them, right? You can only give them enough, uh, guidance and information to say, we've seen it in the past and it, it's not best suited if it's not a love for you or a passion that you have. Um, uh, but that's, that we've seen that in the past a lot. You know, we've also seen a a big uh, jump in the PET uh, CT field. We've got a lot of nuclear technologists that are now going into the PET realm of imaging and that are taking our CT uh, program to do like fusion imaging and stuff like that. Right.
0: So what I was going to ask you the same thing, Mary, Um, kind of what is a maybe a field that your students had never radiation therapy is always the thing nobody knows anything about and they get in and you either love it or hate it. But um, so what you know, what I think interventional, if I were going to like if I got to start all over again, I'm like, God, that is so cool. So what's what's the thing out there that you think that students don't know enough about, but you know, that would really benefit
2: from spending some time there. Um one thing we've done is we've integrated special rotations for our students so within the our radiology program they spend a week in um in every modality you can you can sure. imagine um and i tell them i don't care if you come back to me at the end of the week and you're like i hated that like that was <laughs> terrible i never <laughs> want to do that and i'm like i'm okay with that because it's still an experience that that you're going to do and that's um and so i was going to say most of my students sonography is big everyone wants to do sonography um i actually have a large number of students that go to radiation therapy um, i think that's more credited to um i would give the credit to um, we have a we have a great program that's about two hours from here so um, I give the credit to there. That's, that's not me. I would love to say that, but that's probably more their recruiting. Um, and then I tell my students, I was going to say interventional all the way. I told them about two years ago, I looked at my graduating class and I'm like, I don't care who in this room is going to do interventional, but one of you is going to do interventional. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care who it is, but somebody is going to do this. Um, and I had one of my students went in to do it. And, um, just last week I got to see her in her interventional new suite that she helped design and and it was great but I tell all of them I think interventional is is the wave of, of the future as far as modalities um, it's, it's just fascinating yeah it really is and I I am um, one of the gals I work with we always say you know like if what we would have been like when we when we grow up what we want to do you know um i would have done nuke med and she would have done radiation therapy and if i would have had to choose anything it wouldn't have been radiation therapy and she wouldn't have (laughs) done so at least um my students get that that initial um incorporation into that i know it's only a week but a lot of times you can either say in a week like yeah i'm going to explore this a little bit right. more or this is not for me i, I don't care right. for this and that's okay um i tell all my students that if i if, if i was sitting down and i was graduating from general radiography school tomorrow i would move to a big city i would be become ct certified and i would become mammo certified because then you're pretty much setting yourself up for any travel job you're setting yourself up right. for any um entry-level job and most of those you know if you um head out to a large city they'll they'll cross train you so um that's i tell them no to those two paths but i have to um i have to um i like your point about i do what i do because i love it it's not because the money is fabulous in education either Um, but i do tell my students that um you know you have to go out and you have to do something that that's a practicality issue for me to go get ct certified Um, if you don't love it, okay, great, but um, it's going to open a door for you. So right. that's why I tell my students, if you do nothing else, go get CT certified. Well, that's you what it mentioned, is, my the same thing. Uh-huh.
0: Right. Well, I was going to say, you what, what mentioned the that you test? had new med folks coming back because it's to do CT so that they could do PET. Um, and I know there are some, um, the board, like the NMTCB, you know, has set up their own CT registry, so to speak, to kind of, kind of deal with those, you know, to kind of help those new med techs through. What about, are you seeing any therapists come through, you know, with the new MRI LINACs? That's kind of, Mm -hmm. that's that's controversial right now. Do we need to be fully MRI credentialed? Can we just learn enough MRI to do the LINAC? So where I know there's a large teaching facility in the south that sent all of their therapists through to get MRI certified. So, and I know the MRI Linux aren't widespread yet, but are you seeing um, some of these, um, which is even a post-primary radiation therapy, nuclear medicine, getting even more credentialed? How is that working?
1: Well, we are seeing it. There's a couple of hospitals in the New York City area that have the uh, MRIs incorporated into radiation therapy. So we have a couple of, stu- we've, we, in the past, we've had a couple of students that have come through the program for the capability of, of performing the MRs. Um, they're radi- they're licensed radiation therapist and uh, they were able to, to go into a, a new field, which was really, really nice. Um, but yeah, we, we've, we've seen the MR techs come through um, that are radiation therapists, which is nice. You know, I, I want to get back to Mary's point for a second. You know, it's a, the great thing about IAR is that The segue from CT to IR is really the trend that I've seen in the past Um, because they do all the CT guided biopsies. A lot of uh, IR procedures are done under CT guidance. So a majority of my technologists that we've trained at the hospital have segued from CT into IR. Uh, And then they just travel as a team with the interventional radiologist, depending on if they're going in the biplane, the single plane or in the CAT scan machine. So they have to have all of the, that knowledge you know, for each modality.
2: Okay, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. Now that's a, another reason for me to enforce the fact that go get CTs <laughs> yeah. that. It's, a, it's a pathway. It
0: is. So if you're looking at educators and both of you are educators, what do you feel about, so we've, we've talked a lot about post-primaries and extra credentials and you know, kind of building that Um, your credential base, your knowledge base. What do you feel about education? I don't want to say for the sake of education, but for somebody to do degree completion, whether that's a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, or if you're insane enough as Mary and I both are, um, you know, went on and got that (laughs) doctorate. So what, what role, because I know this is a question that comes up on social media some, what role, you know, people will say, I want to complete my degree, but I want to complete my degree, but it's expensive. But is it worth it? But will, will it ever pay for itself? So, what do you think about that, Anthony? What do you think? What do you think about degree completion post or past a credential?
1: Well, I think it's twofold, right? So, I, I think that the, the technologists who go into a certificate or a diploma program uh, usually get the good transition of credits for like 60 credits from their X-ray program mm-hmm. into a college program. And I, I tell everyone, because I've had students who are actually going for their bachelor's and master's at the moment, um, it, it can never hurt to have too much, right? It, it depends what your, your your path is. If your path is administration, if your path is in, to go into a leadership role, then you have to have something. You you, ha- you have to have something in addition to your x-ray certification. Um but they're, they're not all the technologists, but some are taking that approach and they've gone, they've partnered up with local uh, universities and are going. Some programs have the, the BS in radiological sciences. Right. Uh, some are going for healthcare administration. So uh, the, the, the guidance is if, if it, your heart desires and that's something you want to do and maybe a leadership or management role is something that you kind of see yourself in the future, then by all means, we, we encourage it. And the hospital pays a, a very large portion. For the oh, employees you know the, the good thing is a lot of our employees are also uh union members so the hospital will contribute the union contributes um and they they get a nice reimbursement um for the their college credit that they paid for
0: so mary what do you tell your students when they say why on earth did you get your doctorate what, what is your answer to that and do you how many people do you encourage to follow that same path
2: um i I tell my students that my doctorate was completely intrinsic for me. There was just the fact I will I'm honest with people all day long that I just wanted one, and that's why I got one. Um, it's absolutely opened doors for me, and I'm very grateful for it. Um, and I, there's a lot of people that would argue that with me when I tried to get into my PhD program. Thankfully, um, you are selected, and then you're you know you're you have a chair, and I told one of the other faculty members that um, at a conference one time, and he told me, he's like, well, I'm glad you weren't mine, because I would have told you, you couldn't come in here, because you would have had to have a plan, um, so I agree, I agree with Anthony, but I would say know your path before you decide what you're going to do with your education. Um, I tell students that come in and are thinking about x-ray, radiology is com- entirely conducive to you flow your life with what you want to do, um, you know, I I went to college on a on a golf scholarship and um, I have an actual basket weaving credit on my college transcript. That's all I was gonna do. I was playing golf. What do you want from me? I'm I'm, I'm in college. You know, leave me alone. Um. So then I went to X-ray school and then I you know a couple years later I decided I wanted to do something more management administration went into a bachelor's. Went into a master's, knew that eventually. Um, I also I love learning, I love progressing, so a PhD was was very applicable to me. Um, but I think that's what I tell them: um, if you don't, if you don't have this burning desire in your heart to go be an administrator, which a lot of people don't at 20 years old, and I'm not saying that doesn't exist because of course it does, um, and I can see that potential all day long. But um, X-rays, like I said, very conducive to take it as you go, and if you decide you want to you know, you want to be an administrator, then go get a bachelor's degree. Um, go get a master's if you want to do education. What I also tell my students is um, don't narrow their degree, because that's, that's what happened to me, right. is I have a bachelor's of science in radiologic science. I have a master's of science in radiologic science, you know, which is great, and I'm, I'm incredibly proud of those degrees, but um, I tell them, go get an MBA. Go get a, you know, something that, you know, is, there's a diversification in your education. So that, that's my other piece of advice that I tell people is don't, you can stay in radiology and contribute, but you don't have to have that you know, um, specific degree. I, I'm very proud of mine and I'm very fortunate that I have it. Um, and I believe in the mission of a, a, a degree specific to radiologic science. Um, but I think that you need to keep your education broad because um, my mother always told me growing up, education is the one thing no one can ever take from you. Yep she must have known my dad. Shout out to mom.
0: <laughs> she must have known my dad. So we've talked a lot about education and credentials and all. So Anthony and Mary, but Anthony, what do you look for? And Mary, what do you teach? What are those other skills? What are those other things? that because since you, you since you put your new um, employees on a probation period what are those things you look for and what are those things that if they just don't have they just don't have and it's not not really going to work out for them what are those other skills that new grads or new employees or even veteran employees especially people getting furloughed or laid off right now what are some of those skills that are just absolute must to have
1: yeah so you know minimally and it's 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 far too often that people don't have it is people skills right so right. You, you need people skills you need to be able to communicate uh to, yeah, hold a conversation have some sort of dialogue with another individual versus texting or emailing at all times I tell the students this all the time when they come into orientation you know texting is out the window you know when, when we see each other we say hello uh, good morning we we converse throughout the day um, we've got a, a lot of employees that that have old habits right so you, you, have to, uh, you have to be able to really uh, speak to one another, uh, explain the examination to the patient, make them feel warm, feel comforting. It's got to be a, a really warm, uh, safe environment when this patient arrives, that you want them to feel secure, that they've chosen the right institution to come to. Um, and this is one of the things we critique them on when, the, when they, 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 they're onboarded um, that they, their social skills, they can, uh, hold the conversation. They can really, uh, work well with their, their, their coworkers and, and mm-hmm. do a really good job. I mean, that's, that's the big thing. If, if you can come in and hold a conversation, make the patient feel comfortable, uh, be a team player. Uh, these are the things the, the attributes that we're looking for. We're not just looking for someone who can come in and take x-rays. They can be the best x tech and have zero personality and we don't want you. Um, and, and that's, that's who we don't want. Uh, we, we want the individuals that are really going to step up and make the patients feel comfortable because they don't want to be at the hospital. They have to be there, right? It's not their choice, uh, but it's our choice to to work where we choose to. So, right. um, if you, if you're going to come to work and you're going to, uh, not treat the patients fairly or, or make them feel warm and comfortable, then it's, it may not be the right place for you. And that I tell everybody that.
0: So Mary, I'll we'll tell a quick story and then I'm going to ask you, can you teach those things? So we um, would do, we did interviews for our radiation therapy program, and this has been years ago, and you know, we would interview mass numbers of people for small numbers of, you know, spots in the program, you know how it goes. But we had one applicant come in and say, he wanted to be a radiation therapist, it's what he's always wanted to do, you know, radiation therapy, he wanted to do this, but he didn't want to touch people. Did he have to touch people? <laughs> so. So my question to you, Mary, can you teach these things? How do you teach your students social skills or or, or patient care skills? How do you teach that part that's not so technical or so textbook?
2: Yeah, uh, we actually integrated that this year. We, we picked one soft skill a week is what we did mm-hmm. and, and we integrated that um, I teach radiation protection and biology so I integrated that into my course um, I don't think you can teach someone personality it's, it's not gonna happen I think you're either born with personality you're born with common sense um, or it's, it's not happening for you um, what I can do though is I can give you tools and resources to make you more effective at that at least um, Anthony mentioned texting for instance so I'm big into teaching my students look for people's preferred method of communication so even though maybe you're not really great, and I make them like with phone calls, um, so I make them pick up on on key instances like that, um, but you have to train someone to do that. Some people it's very natural to, some people it's not. Um, so it is, I don't think you're ever going to create that in someone, but you can at least offer them, you know, bits and pieces to say, hey, um, I also do a lot with self-awareness. I think if you can teach someone to be self-aware then they can start to either decide i don't have those skills i'm not good at that but that's something i can work towards so i think through self-reflection and also giving them you know snippets of you know what does someone prefer and how do you pick up on those cues um is is great and i have i have a 12 year old son who him and i go round and round. um he is a miniature sheldon cooper that is what i'm raising like, <laughs> I, I feel like I should be in Texas and I should be raising Sheldon, <laughs> so him and I work on emotional intelligence a lot, and um, so we started to integrate that, you know, reading your situation, um, and I tell them, if all else fails, start asking questions, It's all you have to do, if you can right, think of nothing right. else to say or do, start asking someone questions, and that's that helps them out, but we've had a really good time with it this year doing those skills, but I love the interviews as well. Those are at a, you know, I asked someone mm-hmm. about being a, being a life, you know, what do you do community service? Well, I'm a lifeguard. Oh, well, you know, was that rewarding to you And in their interest? No one died. Great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're not wrong. I will say, is my <laughs> parenting tip, real quick. My parenting tip, since I know you both have children younger than mine. When I sent my baby, who's the only boy of the family, he's a sophomore in college now. When well, I sent him off to college, he didn't know how to address an envelope. Oh, no. so we actually sat down and worked on envelopes because you mentioned the the telephone, you know, speaking on the phone because that's so difficult now. So I encourage you both work with your children on addressing envelopes and and speaking on the telephone. I will say he's mastered it now. <laughs> he's a sophomore in college. So let's talk a little bit, Mary, you said that your students used to get lots of PRN jobs, but then there were lots of full-time jobs. You saw that. So let's take that trend from just a couple of months ago, because you said you saw lots of full-time jobs. Where do you think we're headed? Where are we headed with like staffing models? I know in radiation therapy, it's a big, big topic right now. Where are we headed
2: with staffing models as we work through this and come out on the other side? I think there's still going to be an increase. I do, I think our job market is gonna hold steady. I think even even for the next five to seven years, I think it's still gonna hold steady. Um, And I said before on on another talk that we did, I think people are gonna retire sooner when they come out of this. Um, it's an incredibly stressful time yes. to be in healthcare and to be on the front lines. And I think some people are gonna tap out sooner than they would have anticipated, um, just because of the amount of stress that they're dealing with now. And I think you're even gonna see people transition um, jobs, maybe, um, maybe instead of- Working frontline, I'm going to become a consultant. I'm going to do continuing education. Um, you know, I'm going to use. I'm going to take what I have to offer, but I'm going to transition that so that I'm never in a position again um, that I've had to deal with these things. And and people, you know, they they take in trauma in their own way. So I still think the job market is going to grow. Um, I stand by that. I still think the full time positions are going to stay. Um, I think they they might not be as not have as much growth potential. They might stagnate a little bit um but i wish that administrators would be able to see um it takes the same amount of people to cover a weekend worth of call whether you have 10 people do it or you have two people do it you know you're not you're not paying anybody more you know to do that um so where i live i see a lot of burnout and a lot of stress from my students that you know the first thing i tell you is you live in rural america you're going to work nights weekends and holidays people don't fall down you know at at 12 12 30 pm on a tuesday all the time you know um so i see a lot of burnout for that um but i hope that administration does that shift of you know allowing people to cover shifts that are maybe a little more unconventional um or you know staffing to the point where it's just easier on everyone but i, I think our job market is going to stay steady i am going to say five to seven years so Anthony, i'm going to twist on that
0: just a little bit because i've read several articles lots of articles actually that we should be preparing for this surge? For example, all the women who have put off their annual mammograms or their annual, you know, any, any screening, um, whatever that may be, once we get to a point to where we've settled a little bit, then there's going to be a surge. Have you thought about that? And what would staffing look like? How, how do you manage that many patients if there is this rush to, to get back and get the screening things done?
1: I mean, I think the reality of it, Cheryl, is you can have 100 employees but still have five X-ray rooms, right? right. So we're limited by our by our resources. So we we ramp up uh, based on our our you know our install base. Um, if we've got you know two ERs, three three ER rooms, we'll staff it with two employees per room per shift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what what we've noticed is uh, during this crisis is there is some burnout, and the burnout is. Um, that the patients are not coming to the floor it's the techs that going to the patients right and so we were oh, we were seeing you know upwards close to three hundred portable x-rays a day um for the for the x-ray technologist um which is a lot it's 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 enough to uh burn a team out so what we've done uh we created uh individual teams so we we had you know team a b, c, and d um, and they would pair up with another technologist. They'd do a twenty-person run, come down. The next team would go up and do twenty. They come down. They go up again. So they, there was some sort of little bit of there was a little bit of a break in between mm-hmm. um, these these big runs that they were going on. Uh, but I, you know, I, I I agree with Mary. The 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 uh, amount of technologists is not going to decrease. There's always going to be. New jobs, you know. There's always hospitals looking for for employees. There's pop-up urgent care is happening every 15 minutes here in New York. Um, so, you know, and the the downside or the flip side to the urgent care is a technologist is not always uh, in the capacity of a tech. It's more of a tech slash MA um, because they're doing vitals, they're they're doing an intake on the patient, they're doing their X-rays. They have two or three roles. Um, while they're in that, that position Uh, versus a technologist in a hospital with your x-ray, that's all you're doing is x-ray, especially if you're a union-based hospital, you know, you get, you get paid or your, your role is delineated by your job title. So an imaging technologist is, is more advanced you can do CTMR, OR. Uh, A radiologic technologist is only doing x-rays. So I certainly think that the the field will continue to grow, uh, especially in a, busy area like you know New York and New Jersey
2: how many portables are we doing a day you said you were up to 300 what were your numbers look like before that just so I can put it I would
1: say uh it was about 125 portables a day you know on a regular basis we're doubling yeah yeah every 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 floor is now a unit every patient in the unit gets a daily x-ray um It's it's a little bit of overkill because you know maybe these patients don't need their daily X-rays. They didn't uh, you know reposition a, a line or a place a new tube that requires some sort of verification of that of that that placement. Um, you know, we, we're doing a lot on appropriateness now. We're really looking at uh, do these patients really need these daily X-rays? And we work with with the different chairmen of the various departments to try to eliminate some of these so it's it's a work in progress it's it's not going to happen overnight um but yeah we're doing a lot we're doing a lot because the patients are not coming down to the floor we're trying to eliminate the the exposure uh, of that patient throughout the house um for these because most most of them are just x-rays uh, uh, uh they're just chest, chest x-rays thanks
0: so I was going to ask because you mentioned in some situations that um, technologists are picking up more responsibilities. How have you seen responsibilities change? I know I have a colleague that actually works in New York City as well at one of the large facilities that you know has a cancer center attached to it, and they talk about all of the added duties. I suppose that the you know that COVID brought in. So in it, when you mentioned burnout. One, their patient load did not drop at all. Um, they're still, you know, they're still treating as many cancer patients as they ever did. What they said kind of um adds to their burden is all of the extra stuff, doing all of the extra things. So, Anthony, what how have you seen responsibilities change? And do you think that will be that that will stick? Do you think those things will will go forward or do you think you'll move back to Breathing a little bit, and I don't want to say just doing your job, but you know a little more in line with what what we
1: used to do. Right. So I I don't think the responsibility is going to change at all. Um, I think uh, unfortunately, right, the 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 uh, pandemic had brought the team closer together, um, okay. and it's it's made them stronger, uh, and it's it's kind of forged a really nice bond amongst the the group. We like I said, we've got over 150 employees. Um, and this has really done a nice job of bringing everyone closer. The responsibilities that they've added is you know, donning and doffing every case that they're going to see, um, right. pay, a, a, a load that they've never had in the past. Unless you went to the ICU or a patient was on airborne isolation uh, or some sort of, of, of contact or droplet, you're not really PPE, you're not downing up for every patient. They're doing that now. So I think that responsibility, will that will change. Um as we kind of uh decrease our volume at the hospital, but I think as far as their roles responsibilities it's 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 business as usual it, it's it's not gonna it sh- it shouldn't change um and I, I don't foresee it changing at all in the future no. so
0: I was gonna ask you, Mary, this is something I'm gonna ask you about adding to your curriculum, so to speak, um back to that same um colleague I have up there in New York City, he and I were in a conversation, and he was telling me, you know, what it it looked like. In my situation, I'm kind of like, Mary, we're not overrun with this. You know, I I, I can't live your situation. I can't, uh, I don't fully understand your experience. And he was saying to me, of all the changes that have taken place, I asked him, I said, which is the one you think is going to stick? Which is the one thing that, made its leap, and we're never going backwards with this, and he said telemedicine. So, Anthony, how are you, how is telemedicine being incorporated in your departments? And then, Mary, do you have plans to kind of teach towards that? Go ahead, Anthony, then I'll go.
1: So, um, telemedicine, that's all of the patients now, or majority of patients are coming in through telemedicine, or the ED. Um, our radiologists, we have a group of about 15 who have been doing telerads from home. Mm-hmm. So all of the cases that that are being done on site are going to the radiologists at home. We have a handful of, on site that are still doing fluoroscopy cases, um, but yeah, I, you know, I I think some will stay home, you know, maybe do one week on, one week off, because uh, it, it seems to have actually have, have worked pretty well. Um, but uh, yeah, just more on our end, more telerad than telemed um, gotcha. for, for for our for our department. I, I know they've been seeing uh, an upward trend of telemedicine patients. Uh, in the private clinics and the ED, but it really hasn't affected us much in radiology. All
2: right. um, to answer your question, ab- absolutely. But I think um, I think radiology, especially um, radiologists, are constantly clawing for recognition. And you know, in our field and in our profession, I just feel like I'm constantly fighting that battle. Um, I-, I have friends that I, I met about. 60, 90 days ago, and we were having a conversation, and, and one of them called me a nurse, and I'm like, oh, God, did just call me a nurse. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so um, I think anytime you can gain a new skill set that's going to help promote our profession and give us one more thing that is going to, we can step up and say, I can do that, I can be responsible for that, um, is great for our profession in general, and I know there's a balance of that in in curriculum-wise. Like, do you become, you know, a master of all trades? You know, you right. can't do that in a, in a 18 or 24 month radiology program. But I think as long as you just increase your skill set all the time, it helps the progression of the profession itself. So I think it's absolutely something that we have to embrace and we have to keep working towards.
0: So, Anthony, I was going to ask you, you mentioned that your facility, so this kind of speaks to the burnout, to the added responsibilities, to, um, you know, making the teams, to just the different way of doing things. How have you seen your facility support all of these changes, and do you think they've done a good job at that? I know Mary, I think Mary was on the a panel, we did a live panel, we had over 500 people participate in that panel, we got lots of questions. And a lot of the questions were, I don't think administration understands what we're going through, or I wish they weren't making some of these decisions. I know you think your facility has been very supportive. What have they done to make this easier on the frontline staff?
1: It's never easy, Cheryl. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 never, it's never made easier. Um, they can tighten the load a little bit. You know, they, they've really, uh, they've, they've provided the staff with, with meals throughout the day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, they've, they're providing, they've provided one round of bonuses They're providing another round of bonuses, uh, just to show their, their gratitude for what everyone has, has done. Um, I think, uh, you know, at first the PPE, I, I think no one knew enough about it. Right. So there was always that, that resistance where you don't need to, an N95 because you got your flu shot, or you do need the N95, but you need to wear a second mask as a barrier because we only get one a week. You know, th- there was a lot of a lot of conversation. No one really knew what was going on and what was the right PPE to wear. Um, and I think we can only go on the information that we're all to- told, right? Mm-hmm. Even senior leadership is is taking orders from their senior leadership, right? Um, and it gets just gets trickled down. So I, I think uh, best efforts were made. Um, you know, I, there, there were some some really highly concerned employees. Like, you know, I'm going to take this home to my family. Well, you guys really don't care. We we do care. Uh, we 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 really care because we we t- you know we've got families as well. And you know, you don't want to be that person that says you got into healthcare to take care of people because that's not it's not the right thing to say. But people are saying it. You know, you got into this field, you have to expect it. They don't have to expect it. It's not something that they should expect. It's nothing that they've ever seen before. So. They're really concerned um and it's it 's a true and valid concern that they have, um but I think everyone has stepped up we 've got an influx of p p e there's certainly no shortage where we are, um, but I think that 's where everyone 's concern was was not enough supply. you guys don 't care about me, you know, I have the flu shot, I want an n ninety five and I want to wear it twelve hours a day um. There's, there's really, there's no right or wrong to it, you know. You, you hear their concerns, but then you're, you're, you're giving them guidance based on what you're told. Um, is it the right thing? or Is it the wrong thing? We don't know, right? As administrators, you're only acting on guidance from, from the higher ups. That they're acting on guidance from their higher ups. Um, so it's, it, I, I think everyone uh, was concerned at first that the, the, the PPE wasn't, wasn't enough, and they made it right by us.
0: All right, good. So Mary, I'll ask you, um, we're about to run out of time here. So just a couple more questions. And one thing I wanna ask you, Mary, is what if somebody, I don't know what your upcoming class looks like. I know everything's kind of chaotic right now.
2: Do people still wanna do this or did they get scared? Um, Our numbers are down, to be honest. Um, I think, I don't know if I can contribute that specifically to healthcare though. I think people are, you know, uncertainty is key right now. And I mean, that's just part of life right now. Um, and there's nothing like a great crisis to to bring people together and, and to promote uncertainty. So I think it's the level of uncertainty that is driving those numbers down. I don't necessarily think it's healthcare per se, um, mm-hmm. just because people don't know what the fall semester is gonna look like. Is is it going to be online? Um, so, so our numbers are down, but I don't know if I would necessarily contribute that to healthcare. I think um, if healthcare is something you wanna do, um, I think you're driven to do it regardless. Um, and so, I don't know if that's a contributing factor, but our numbers are down for fall. So Anthony,
0: I'll kind of ask you the same thing as far as employees. Um, you know, Mary mentioned she may see some people leave a little sooner or all those people that have been furloughed and you talked about, you think the job market's gonna be strong. What What is somebody's next step? Or do they, do we need to wait a little bit or where are you, are, are you hiring right now? Um, you know, especially for new grads or for people that are trying to transition. What What is their next step if they're looking for a job?
1: I think we're, we're always hiring, Cheryl. Um, the, the concern is right now bringing in candidates to do some sort of orientation, onboarding right. them. Um, it, it's almost, it's, it's an impossibility. It's just, it's not happening right now. The, the focus is not really on recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. The people who have been onboarded have been onboarded through uh, like a, a separate talent acquisition group that's bringing in temps right now. I right. think once we kind of, we vet all of the the patients and we the waters calmed down a little bit, we can really reassess what our needs are and how to go about it. Well,
0: I do appreciate it. Anthony, do you have anything to say about any of those credentials about how to find you? Tell people how to find you for your advanced imaging review. We'll post those links as well. And then just give us one last um, going out, feel good statement about the state of um, radiography and imaging. and all our friends in Nuke Med. Nuke Med was my thing. That was the thing I went to and I observed and I was like, oh, wow. Let me go on down to the cancer center. <laughs> so, I <laughs> well, You know, Dusty's one of my best friends. So, but what what, what can you say to us all right now, Anthony? Tell us a little bit about AIR and like I said, we'll post those links and, and about, um, you know, getting those extra credentials and really making ourselves strong in our profession.
1: Like I tell everyone, Cheryl, and it's uh, it, it's, it's what your heart desires. If, if you are looking to go into an advanced modality, looking to learn a, a new kind of skill set and, and not because it's, it's just because it's, it makes more money, um, th- then there's certainly opportunity out there. Like I said earlier, CT is a great transition to IR. Um, I certainly don't hire um, IR techs right out of X-ray. Um, you know, we want to make sure they have that skill set of, of that, that right cross training. Um, so when they get to IR, they know how to do CT guided biopsies and stuff like that. Um, with advanced imaging review, we offer, you know, CT development, MR, MAMO, IR programs. Uh, even for the ultrasound technologists, we have AAL, RDMS, uh advanced registries. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a, a whole mixed bag of uh, programs that we offer. Um, our website is advancedimagingreview.com. Uh, you can call, text, chat. There's, there's a whole bunch of ways to get in touch with us, especially now, right? We're, we're more available now than ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, if it's something you are you're truly looking to do, um, we'd be more than happy to help you out.
0: Well, thanks a whole bunch. But I didn't even get to use a y'all. Thanks, y'all. There we go. I that. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> so it's been great, and I've enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Bye. Bye.